0: Hi, and welcome back to The Calm Café, your cosy home for sleep stories and guided relaxation. I'm Adam, and tonight we have a real treat. Well, for me, at least. You see, in searching for stories for The Calm Café, I've come across so many so-called classics... That I've never got round to reading. For one reason or another, life got in the way. You know how it is. You know how it is. However, with this little project of mine, I now have the opportunity to read some of these books. Start to tick them off the list, so to speak. And it's in that vein that we start with the classic Alexandre Dumas' tale of the Count of Monte Cristo. Whenever I hear the name Alexandre Dumas, it always takes me back to the scene in Shawshank Redemption when Tim Robbins' character Andy Dufresne is overseeing the delivery of books to the prison library. The book is read out to him as The Count of Monte Cristo* by Alexandre Dumas. <laughs> A great scene in an absolutely perfect movie. I mean, what an absolute masterpiece. By the way, if you haven't seen that film, first, where have you been, second, go and watch it, and then watch The Green Mile, if you haven't seen that. You must have seen that. I don't have an obsession with prison movies, but wow, those two are just, uh, classics. That term is used a lot, really, but anyway, where were we? So the beginning of a classic tonight... sense a theme? I can't wait to start this, so before we get going, let's get ourselves comfortable. And if you already are, how about even a little more comfortable? You can never be too comfortable, can you? Another theme So let's start with our eyes closed lightly, not screwed tight, just softly closed, no pressure at all. Relax your forehead, loosen your jaw, and begin by picturing a blank sheet of white paper. We're not looking to the side of the paper, or over the top, just straight at it. Allow your mind to begin to empty. While you're doing this, I want you to start counting your breath in twos. The inhale is one, the exhale is two, in and out through your nose. No need for a huge deep breath, just a, a long enough breath in and out to make it a slow count. One, two, three, four, like that. Continue like that all the way up. 10. And once you get to 10, you can start again from 1. While you're doing this, continue to picture that blank piece of paper. As and when your mind starts to wander, because it will wander. The moment you realize that your mind's drifted, just gently steer yourself back, not with a start or a jolt, nothing as aggressive as that, but just an easing palm, just guiding yourself back to the blank sheet of white paper. And continue to count your breaths, starting again at one once you reach 10. to give you a few moments now to continue with your counting breaths and picturing that white piece of paper, all the while with a nice, relaxed forehead and loosened jaw. Marseille, the arrival. On the twenty fourth of February 1815, the lookout at Notre Dame de la Garde signalled the three master, the Faron from Smyrna, Treste, and Naples. As usual, a pilot put off immediately and rounding the Chateau d'If got on board the vessel between Cape Morgular and Rion Island. Immediately, and according to custom, the ramparts of Fort Saint-Jean were covered with spectators. It is always an event at Marseille for a ship to come into port, especially when this ship, like the Faron, has been built, rigged, and laden at the old Fochy docks, and belongs to an owner of the city. The ship drew on and had safely passed the strait, which some volcanic shock had made between Kaseleek and Jaros Islands, had doubled Pomeg and approached the harbour under topsails, jib and spanker, but so slowly and sedately that the idlers, with that instinct, which is the forerunner of evil, asked one another what misfortune could have happened on board. However, those experienced in navigation saw plainly that if any accident had occurred, it was not to the vessel herself, for she bore down with all the evidence of being skilfully handled. The anchor, a cockbill, the jib-boom guys, already eased off, and standing by the side of the pilot, who was steering the Faron towards the narrow entrance of the inner port, was a young man, who, with activity and a vigilant eye, watched every motion of the ship, and repeated each direction of the pilot. The vague discitude which prevailed among the spectators had so much affected one of the crowd that he'd, he didn't even wait the arrival of the vessel in harbour but jumping into a small skiff desired to be pulled alongside the farang which he reached as she rounded into the reserve bassin. When the young man on board saw this person approach he left his station by the pilot and, hat in hand, leaned over the ship's bulwarks. "'He was a fine, tall, slim young fellow of eighteen or twenty, "'with black eyes and hair as dark as a raven's wing, "'and his whole appearance bespoke that calmness and resolution "'peculiar to men accustomed from their cradle to contend with danger. "'Ah, is it you, Dante?' cried the man on the skiff. "'What's the matter? "'And why have you such an air of sadness aboard?' "'A great misfortune,' "'Monsieur Morel,' replied the young man, "'a great misfortune for me especially. "'Off Civitavecchia, we lost our brave Captain Leclerc. "'And the cargo?' inquired the owner eagerly. "Is all safe, Monsieur Morel, "'and I think you will be satisfied on that head. "'But poor Captain Leclerc, what happened to him?' asked the owner, "'with an air of considerable resignation. "'What happened to the worthy captain?' he died fell into the sea no sir he died of brain fever in dreadful agony then turning to the crew he said There a hen there to take in the sail all hands obeyed and at once the eight or ten seamen who composed the crew sprang to their respective stations at the spanker brails and out hall top sail sheets and halyards, the jib downward and the top sail, clue lines and bunt lines. The young sailor gave a look to see that his orders were promptly and accurately obeyed, and then turned again to the owner. And how did this misfortune occur, inquired the latter, resuming the interrupted conversation. Alas, sir, in the most unexpected manner, after a long talk with the arbor master, Captain Leclerc left Naples, greatly disturbed in mind. In 24 hours, he was attacked by a fever and died three days afterwards. We performed the usual burial service, and he is at his rest, sewn up in his hammock with a 36-pound shot at his head and his heels off El Giglio Island. We bring to his his widow his sword and cross of honour. It was worthwhile, truly, added the young man with a melancholy smile. "'to make war against the English for ten years, "'and to die in his bed at last, like everybody else.' "'Why, you see, Edmund,' replied the owner, "'who appeared more comforted at every moment, "'we are all mortal, and the old must make way for the young. "'If not, why, there would be no promotion. "'And since you assure me that the cargo is all safe and sound, Monsieur Morrel, take my word for it, "'and I advise you to not take twenty-five thousand francs "'for the profits of the voyage.' Then, as they were just passing the round tower, the young man shouted, Stand by there to lower the topsails and jib. Brail up the spanker. The order was executed as promptly as it would have been on board a man of war. Let go and clew up. At this last command, all the sails were lowered, and the vessel moved almost imperceptibly onwards. Now, if you will come on board, Monsieur Morrel, said Dante. Observing the owner's impatience, here is your supercargo, Monsieur Danglar, coming out of his cabin, who will furnish you with every particular. As for me, I must look after the anchoring and dress the ship in mourning. The owner did not wait for a second invitation. He seized a rope which Dante flung to him, and with an activity that would have done Great credit to a sailor, climbed up the side of the ship, while the young man, going to his task, left the conversation to Danglars, who now came towards the owner. He was a man of twenty five or twenty six years of age, of unprepossessing countenance, obsequious to his superiors, insolent to his subordinates, and this, in addition to his position as responsible agent on board, which is always obnoxious to the sailors made him as much disliked by the crew as Edmund Dante was beloved by them. "'Well, Mr. Morrel," said Danglar, "'you have heard of the misfortune that has befallen us.' "'Yes, yes, poor Captain Leclerc. "'He was a brave and honest man, and a first-rate seaman, "'one who had seen long and honourable service "'as became a man charged with the interests of a house so important.' "'as that of and son,' replied Danglar. "'But,' replied the owner, glancing after Dante, "'who was watching the anchoring of his vessel, "'it seems to me that a sailor needs not to be as old as you,' "'said Danglar, to understand his business, "'for our friend Edmund seems to understand it thoroughly, "'and not to require instruction from anyone.' "'Yes,' said Danglar, darting at Edmund a look gleaming with hate. "'Yes,' "'He is young, and youth is invariably self-confident. "'Scarcely has the captain's breath out of his body "'when he assumed the command without consulting anyone, "'and he caused us to lose a day and a half on the island of Elba "'instead of making for Marseilles direct.' "'As to taking command of the vessel,' replied Morel, "'that was his duty as captain's mate. "'As to losing a day and a half off the island of Elba, he was wrong.' unless the vessel needed repairs. The vessel was in good condition as I am, and as I hope you are, Monsieur Morrel. and this day and a half was lost from pure whim for the pleasure of going ashore and nothing else. Dante, said the ship owner, turning towards the young man, come this way. In a moment, sir, answered Dante, and I'm with you. Then calling to the crew, he said, let go. The anchor was instantly dropped and the chain ran rattling through the porthole. Dante continued at his post in spite of the presence of the pilot, until this manoeuvre was completed, and then he added, "Half mast the colours, and square the yards." You see," said Danglars, "he fancies himself captain already. Upon my word." And so, in fact, he is," said the owner. "Except your signature and partners, Monsieur Morrel." and why should he not have this asked the owner he is young it is true but he seems to me a thorough seaman and of full experience your pardon monsieur Morrel," said dante approaching the vessel now rides at anchor and i am at your service you hail me i think danglar retreated a step or two i wish to inquire why you stopped at the island of elba I do not know, sir. It was to fulfil the last instructions of the Captain Leclerc, who, when dying, gave me a packet for Marshal Bertrand. Then did you see him, Edmund? Who? The Marshal. Yes. Morel looked around him, and then, drawing Dante on one side, he said suddenly, And how is the Emperor? Very well, as far as I could judge from the sight of him. You saw the Emperor, then? He entered the Marshal's apartment while I was there. And you spoke to him? Why, it was you spoke to me, sir, said Dante with a smile. And what did he say to you? Asked me questions about the vessel, the time she left Marseilles, the course she had taken, and what was her cargo? I believe if she had not been laden, and I had been her master, he would have bought her. But I... "'told him I was only mate, and that she belonged to the firm of Mole and Son.' "'Ah, yes,' he said. "'I know them. "'The Moles have been ship-owners from father to son, "'and there was a moral who served in the same regiment with me "'as I was in the garrison at Valence.' "'Pardieu, and that is true,' cried the owner, greatly delighted. "'And that was Policar Morel, my uncle, who was afterwards a captain.' Dante, you must tell my uncle that the Emperor remembered him, and you will see it will bring tears into the old soldier's eyes. Come, come, continued he, patting Edmund's shoulder kindly. You did very right, Dante, to follow Captain Leclerc's instructions and touch at Elba. Although, if it were known that you had conveyed a packet to the Marshal and had conversed with the Emperor, it might bring you into trouble. How could that bring me into trouble, sir? asked Dante, for I did not even know of what I was the bearer, and the Emperor merely made such inquiries as he would of, of the first comer. But pardon me, here are the elf officers and the customs inspectors coming alongside. And the young man went to the gangway. As he departed, Danglar approached and said, Well, it happens that he has given you satisfactory reason for his landing at Port of Raja? Yes. Most satisfactory, my dear Danglar. Well, so much the better, said the supercargo, for it is not pleasant to think that a comrade has not done his duty. Dante has done his, replied the owner, and that is not saying much. It was Captain Leclerc who gave orders for this delay. Talking to Captain Leclerc, has not Dante given you a letter from him? To me? No. Was there one? I believe that, besides the packet, Captain Leclerc confided a letter to his care. Of what packet are you speaking, Danglar? Why, that which Dante left at Porto Frío. How do you know he had a packet to leave at Porto Frío? Danglar turned very red. Uh, I was passing close to the door of the captain's cabin, which was half open, and I saw him give the packet and letter to Dante. He did not speak to me of it, replied the ship owner. but if there may be any letter, he will give it to me. Danglars reflected for a moment. Then, Monsieur Morel, I beg of you, said he, not to say a word to Dante on this subject. I may have been mistaken. At this moment the young man returned. Danglars withdrew. Well, my dear Dante, are you now free? inquired the owner. Yes, sir. You have not been long detained? Uh, No, I gave the custom house officers a copy of our bill for landing, and as to the other papers, they sent a man off with the pilot to whom I gave them. Then you have nothing more to do here? Uh, No, everything is all right now. Then you can come to dine with me. I really must ask you to excuse me, Monsieur Morel. My first visit is due to my father, though I am not the less grateful for the honour you have done me. Right, Dante, quite right. I always knew you were a good son. And, inquired Dante with some hesitation, do you know how my father is? Well, I believe, my dear Edmund, though I have not seen him lately. Yes, he likes to keep himself shut up in his little room. That proves, at least, that he has wanted for nothing during your absence. Dante smiled. My father is proud, sir, and if he had not a meal left, I, I doubt if he would have asked anything from anyone except from heaven. Well, then, after this first visit has been made... We shall count on you. I must again excuse myself, Monsieur Morel, for after this first visit has been paid, I have another which I am most anxious to pay. True, Dante. I forgot that there was at uh, the Catalans someone who expects you no less impatiently than your father. The lovely Mercedes. Dante blushed. Ah, ah said the shipowner, I am not in the least surprised, for she has been to me three times inquiring if there were any news of the pharaon. Pest, Edmund, you have a very handsome mistress. Uh, she is not my mistress, replied the young sailor, gravely. She is my betrothed. Sometimes one and the same thing, said Marl with a smile. Not with us, sir, replied Dante. ''Well, well, my dear Edmund,'' continued the owner. ''Don't let me detain you. You have managed my affairs so well that I ought to allow you all the time you require for your own. Do you want any money?'' Uh, ''No, sir. I have all my pay to take, nearly three months' wages.'' ''You are a careful fellow, Edmund. Say, I have a poor father, sir. Yes, yes, I know how good a son you are. So now hasten away to you see your father. I have a son too, and I should be very wroth with those who detained him from me after a 3 months voyage. ''Then I have your leave, sir?'' ''Yes, if you have nothing more to say to me. Nothing.'' ''Captain Leclerc did not, before he died, give you a letter for me?'' ''He was unable to write, sir.'' But that reminds me that I must ask your leave of absence for some days to get married. Yes, first, and then to go to Paris. Very good. Have what time you require, Dante. It will take quite six weeks to unload the cargo and cannot get you ready for sea until three months after that. Only be back again in three months for the Faron. Added the owner patting the young sailor on the back. Cannot sail without her captain. (laughs) Without her captain, cried Dante, his eyes sparkling with animation. Pray mind what you say, for you are touching on the most secret wishes of my heart. Is it really your intention to make me the captain of the pharaoh? If I were sole owner, we'd shake hands on it now, my dear Dante, and call it settled. But I have a partner, and you know the Italian proverb, Chi ha compagno ha padron He who has a partner, has a master. But the thing is at least half done, as you have one out of two votes. Rely on me to procure the other. I will do my best. Ah, uh, Monsieur Moreau, Exclaimed the young seaman, with tears in his eyes and grasping the owner's hand. Monsieur Moreau, I oh, thank you in the name of my father and of Mercedes. That's all right, Edmund. There's a providence that watches over the deserving. Go to your father, go and see Mercedes, and afterwards, come to me. Shall I row you ashore? No, thank you. I shall remain and look over the accounts with Dangla. Have you been satisfied with him this voyage? That is according to the sense that you attach to this question, sir. Do you, do you mean, is he a good comrade? No, I think he never liked me since the day when I was silly enough, after a little quarrel we had, to propose to him to stop for ten minutes at the island of Monte Cristo to settle the dispute, a proposition which I was wrong to suggest, and he quite right to refuse. If you mean as responsible agent when you ask me the question, I believe there is nothing to say against him, and that you will be content with the way in which he has performed his duty, but tell me Dante. If you had command of the pharaoh should you be glad to see Danglar remain Captain or mate monsieur Moreau I should always have the greatest respect for those who possess the owner's confidence That's right. That's right, Dante. I see you are a thoroughly good fellow and will detain you no longer. Go, for I see how impatient you are. Then I have leave. Go, I tell you. May I have the you see your skiff? Certainly. Then for the present, Monsieur Morrel, farewell and a thousand thanks. I hope soon to see you again, my dear Edmund. Good luck to you. sailor jumped into the skiff and sat down in the stern sheets with the order that he be put ashore at La Cambière. The two oarsmen bent to their work and the little boat glided away as rapidly as possible in the midst of the thousand vessels which choke up the narrow way which leads between the two rows of ships from the mouth of the harbour to the Quai d'Orléans. The shipowner, smiling, followed him with his eyes until he saw him spring out on the quay and disappear in the midst of the throng which from five o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night swarms in the famous street of La Combiere, a street of which the modern Phoecians are so proud that they say with all the gravity in the world and with the accent which gives so much character to what is said. If Paris... At La Combiere, Paris would be a second Marseille. On turning round, the owner saw Danglars behind him, apparently awaiting orders, but in reality also watching the young sailor. But there was a slight difference in the expression of the two men who thus followed the movements of Edmond Dante.